Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. It's brought to you by BetMGM. I got it in this time. Congratulations to me on that one. Uh, I am, of course, Nick Baumgartner. Joined this week by special guests, uh, familiar faces, Austin Meek and Colton Pouncey, as Brendan is uh, in golf land uh, at the Masters. I thought, guys, first of all, how are we doing? Colton, Austin, how are we doing? Excellent. Yeah, good, good. Good to be here. Talk some spring football. Real exciting stuff here. Spring football. So the Michigan fans that I keep hearing from were like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. And I don't think Michigan State fans were quite as, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Don't talk to me. But Michigan's getting almost done with spring. I think Michigan State fans are a little more excited about it, or maybe a little bit. So we figured this would be a good time to sort of go through it. And both of you guys did um, fan surveys, which I thought were super interesting. I want to get into those too. Um, we'll start with Austin because Michigan's about to wrap up, or at least I think toward the back end, their schedule has been a little weird. Um, a lot of change, obviously Austin, before we get into this, uh, and into the survey, so much change, uh, so much with the coaching staff, brand new, so much new terminology. Michigan's obviously played a lot of this pretty close to the vest, I think is what we, which is what we expected, uh, especially defensively, but sort of if you, if you had a takeaway at all, um, from, you know, the little that we've gotten here. Uh, through Zoom and such, and, and from talking to the guys, like what what would it be as they kind of go through what you know an incredibly important spring for Harbaugh? There's no other way to sort of put that. Well, first of all, you are absolutely right. Michigan fans do not want to hear it. They did not want to hear it during basketball <laughs> season, especially. Like right. I could just hear like the chorus of booze uh, raining <laughs> down on me anytime I would bring football into the conversation. They're like, "We're we got this basketball team, like, leave us alone. Leave um, us alone. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think it's started to, I think they've started to come to terms with the fact that, oh, yeah, we do have a football team. Like, we're going to have to pay attention to a football season, whether we want to or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I you know, this spring, like, it's been, you know, Jim Harbaugh talks about, like, submarine mode, right? Yeah. Where they mm-hmm. just basically go down and, like, you know, send the little periscope up once in a while, and that's about <laughs> it. That's what it's been. Like, we've, yeah. you know, we've talked a little bit. We talked to Mike McDonald. Uh, the new defensive coordinator, and we we've talked to a handful of players, and the, you know the whole thing is basically they're just, they've got a ton of work to do. Mm-hmm. They're overhauling the entire defense. Offensively, they've got to figure out their quarterback situation. They, you know they've got a new offensive line coach, so just a ton of moving pieces, and uh, they've they've preferred to kind of do their work uh, behind the scenes. We're not going to see much of it in the spring. Uh, hopefully when we get a look at it in the fall, they'll be further along than they are now, but just a ton of, a ton of change, uh, a a ton of moving parts and a lot of work to do. And honestly, in this case, in this instance, and I'm, I'm never the first in line to be like, I get it when they never talk to us. Uh, I'm usually the last in line to say that, but like in this case, in this case, in this instance, like they could be more open, of course, but I do get the, they have so much to do. I mean, like you said, Austin, I mean, I don't think that they've run from, or, or tried to hide from the fact that there is a ton of work in front of them. The staff, I mean, I don't know about the players, but I mean, the staff itself, when you talk about, you know, just in terms of defense, you are taking like, what, six, seven, eight guys who had a position in the other defense and you're trying to find new homes for them. Some guys, there's not going to be a new home. I think right now, spring is probably as close to what it was in Harbaugh's first year here, where they spent a lot of time trying to figure out what they had. Um, as it is to anything else, if I had to take a guess, because it doesn't seem like that. I guess my point here would be like it doesn't seem like their message coming out is anything different than the obvious. 
that we have a lot of work to do and like that's what we're doing right now. So like we we don't have any bold proclamations. We don't have anything crazy to tell you because like we're trying to put, you know, one foot in front of the other here. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a no-win situation because, you know, if, if you come out and you say a lot in the spring, everybody's yeah. going to get upset. Like, stop talking. We don't want to hear it. Like, yeah, no, right. Nobody wants to hear it right now. So, you know, if, if you come out and if you come out and talk a lot, people are going to get upset about that. If you don't talk, people are like, well, what's going on? What, you know, what right, are you trying yeah. to hide? So, that, you know, I, I, I sympathize to a degree that it's kind of a no-win situation. Uh, you know, there are certainly, you know, it'd be nice to be able to watch a mm. spring game and at least kind of see, you know, the framework of the new defense because there are, you know, there there's some, I think, genuine intrigue about, you know, how, how do you make the pieces fit? How, you know, how do you take these guys who were recruited, you know, exactly. developed for specific positions in Don Brown's defense, and now you're putting them in a, you know, a completely different system. Uh, you know, it doesn't help that a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who's you know, maybe Michigan's best player, going to be kind of the focal point of that defense. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been limited in the spring, coming off surgery. So, I think part of it is whatever you would see in the spring. If Wouldn't they played a yeah. spring game, whatever you would see, it's not going to look a lot like what you're going to see in the fall. So, right. I think the idea is, hey, we right now we just got to learn. Like guys got to learn the scheme. They got to learn where they fit. Still you know, experimenting, putting guys in different positions. Uh, so there's just really not much you can take away from it this spring. Right, right, right. And Colton from Michigan State, I think that it is a little similar to what Austin just said, but 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 also different in that my sense, and you tell me if I'm wrong, because you've paid more attention to this than I have, obviously, but my sense from what we've seen with the transfer portal stuff that Mel talked about all last year that they were going to be active, and they have been, um, is that like right now, it seems to me anyway that Michigan State staff is trying to do the sort of like roster strain, the stress, the turnover thing that we talked about that he probably wanted to do last year. And now you're seeing it right now, right? I mean, has that been your sense as they kind of get started here? Like their focus is solely on, we have to get this roster into a situation where we can have the best practice every day possible from a competitive standpoint to find out whether or not we can improve. Is that, am I off base on that one? Or is that what this spring, to me, that's what this spring feels like it's probably about for Michigan State. No, I, th- I think you're spot on. I mean, when you, when you look at the guys that they've added, you know, they've added five scholarship guys that are here on spring, here for campus right now. Um, and they've added, I think, 11 or something like, like nine, nine yeah. more guys are coming and they want to add even more. So they'll probably get to like 14 spots by the end of, you know, the summer. Um, I think that's they're, they're definitely in that mode right now. I think Mel had a quote the other day that was like, coming out of spring, I need to know exactly where everyone is and if yes. it's going to work here for you or not. Like to me, that was like that was mm-hmm. like the money quote of spring so far. You know, he's in this process of seeing which guys are fits because he didn't have that that time last year. Um, seeing which guys fit into the culture. I know yep. that's kind of overused, but his culture is a culture of competition. Um, you know, guys going at each other every single day. And if you're not about that, you know, he always says, "I like guys that like football. I like guys that want to be here competing every day." If you're not about that, if you think there's an easier spot for you somewhere else. He's going to tell you to, to hit the portal, honestly. Like, yeah. that's kind of his mentality. So during this time, you know, Chris Kapilovic, we had him, um, the offensive line coach, talking about, yeah, we're building depth here. We got really 10 guys that we think can play, um, you know, a lot of competition. There are no guaranteed starters, things like that. So it seems like that's kind of their approach for, you know, this spring session. It's still, you know, they're about halfway through, so they're still figuring some things out. But, no, I think you're spot on. That's definitely been a point of emphasis so far. Recruiting was the biggest thing they missed out on when the pandemic happened, and everyone would agree with that, right? Like you had to stay home, and that was obviously you know something that was going to hurt a new coach. But I I do think that that you know that roster stress 
or whatever you want to call it, that, you know, when a new coach comes in, you have to make it super uncomfortable, not very fun. Um, you know, like you said, Colton, like the quote about, we're going to find out if this is for you or not. Like at the end of this spring, I got to know who I can lean on. Like it's it's going to be something to where sometimes I told, I talked about this when we were talking about, we got a Michigan State question on a mailbag a couple weeks ago. And I said, like, when you go through situations like this, sometimes I think fans even look at it and say like, oh, this is this feels a little weird. I don't think we should be maybe even like doing this, right? But then you're like, no, it's super important. The roster has to go through a squeeze when you had a, a previous regime that was here for a long time and everyone got used to doing things a certain way. You know, I'm not, you know, everything deteriorates and you have to sort of restart. You, comfortability has to go out the window. And last year with the pandemic, it was just about, you know, we, we got to make sure we can get from one day to the next. And I think now... Spring for Michigan State should be really, really intense, and I would think fall camp will be even more so. I would think that fall camp will be – I don't want to call it chaos because it's not chaos, but it'll be like organized chaos. I mean, that's that's almost has to be what happens here. Yeah, and w- when you don't do this process, you're just sort of delaying the inevitable, yeah. right? Like, yes. I think if you're wondering, oh, what, what went wrong last year when you're watching a 2-5 and five team? Well, they didn't have the spring. They didn't have time to see, like, which players they could lean on. I mean, obviously, you can watch practice film and you can watch game tape, but – it's, it's different from seeing it with your own eyes and determining who's a fit for your system and what you want to do. Yeah. And for, for this to work, for this to work with Mel Tucker as a head coach of Michigan State, he needs his own guys in there. He can't win with D'Antonio's roster. Not Part of it is because those guys weren't really talented. I mean, if you look at <laughs> here, like the roster wasn't great. Right. I think people are seeing that now. I don't know if they saw it back then, but they definitely see it now. And now you're seeing him going out in the portal and basically recruit. This is a second form of recruiting. So he's looking at their practice film. He's looking at their highlights and, and their game tape and saying, oh, yeah, I like his length. Let me bring him in here. Oh, yeah, I like his how he finishes each block. I'm going to bring him in here. That's my style of player. Yeah. For this to work, that's what he needs. So I think this is him trying to accelerate that process. You know, he doesn't want to go, you know, five and seven, four and eight next year as he's still trying to build the roster. He's trying to get as many guys in here as possible, make this team competitive, show some signs of life. That's going to help you in recruiting. That's going to help you you know, accelerate this thing. And I think that's the bottom line for him. And I think if a good blueprint, this is kind of weird to say, but Rutgers, if you look what Greg Ciano did last year, he brought in a ton of transfers. And Rutgers was a better team than people thought last year. I know they they didn't light the Big Ten on fire, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that showed you what you can do with the portal if you get the guys that you want. So I think Mel Tucker didn't have that that process last year because he came in so late, came in February. Ciano was hired in December. He had all that figured out by then. Yeah. So this is really that that crucial time for him to get his guys in here. Yeah, and what that does is that, that's like it's not microwaving your culture some because like you can't really do that, but it's also it's accelerating the process because it, you bring in people that understand what it takes, and those people set examples for younger people. Like I said, like yep. these guys are bringing in. If one of these running backs or whomever they bring in lights a fire under Elijah Collins's ass, and he ends up having a great year because of it, and the new guys don't do anything, then it's still worth it because like it yeah. it helps your roster in general. The, the surveys, guys, we'll go back to Austin here to start um, with the Michigan side. When you, when you put it together, I know you guys did this last year too, Austin, but when you put it together, what was like the the biggest curiosity? Because you got a bunch of questions here. We're like, what was the one or two that you were like most, like I'm really interested to see? I don't know what the answer is going to be, I guess. Like what, what was one on there um, that you were kind of super curious to see? Yeah, I was curious to see what, uh, I, I think I was most curious to see what fans uh what they said would be the minimum expectation yeah. for Jim Harbaugh next year to keep his job. Uh, and I got to admit, it's pretty high. I mean, there's <laughs> there's some people right. saying 
10 games, win 10 games and be competitive with Ohio State, which hasn't happened since when, 2016? Yeah. <laughs> yes, so, yeah. Tell you what, coming off a 2-4 and four season, if that's your expectation, if that's your minimum expectation for Jim Harbaugh, then you're basically saying, yeah, we uh, we expect to have a new coach after yeah. next year. Uh, you know, there, there's also, so I'm just looking at the percentages here. Uh, what do you see as the minimum expectation for Jim Harbaugh to remain as Mich- Michigan's coach beyond the 2021 season? 46%, 10 wins and a competitive showing against Ohio State. I tell you what, if that happens, I will be <laughs> I, I will be the first in line to say I was wrong because I'm not predicting right. that. Yeah. Uh, 40%, 8 or 9 wins. Still, mm-hmm. you know, still a pretty high bar. I think, you know, I think probably the thing that stuck out to me most is there's a pretty big segment of Michigan's fan base that feels like, you know, 2020, whatever we saw, it was a total aberration, you know, COVID, right. all of the things that happened in 2020. Just going to throw it out. And we expect to basically bounce back to the level that this program has been at throughout Jim Harbaugh's tenure, which, hey, it could happen. That, that could end up being 100% right. It could be that 2020 was just a weird year and Michigan is right back in that 8 to 10 win range next year. I tell you what, I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying that's a sure thing <laughs> by, any, by any means. It could happen. I could also see Michigan being a 6-7 win team. See Michigan being a five-win team, and I think mm-hmm. that's where it gets really interesting in terms of, you know, how does it happen? How does it play out? And if you get to the end of the year and you're sitting at six or seven wins, how do you feel about the future with Jim Harbaugh? I think that could be really interesting. It is a super interesting question, and it gets asked a lot. And it's like one of these things that we hear about all the time, like how many wins. And I'm always like, I don't know. And this year, especially, I've said to people that have asked me, like, look, I don't think it matters uh, for Michigan. I think that you'll know because, like, what you just said there, Austin. It wasn't an aberration. Like we can we can say that with confidence. Like it was a weird year, and they and it was probably worse than maybe it would have been, right? Like yeah. I mean, it was probably more strained, and it probably looked worse than maybe what it would have been if it was a normal year, right? Like I don't know if all that would have happened in a normal year, but I don't think they would have been good. <laughs> like I mean, like all the things that we talked about that we've seen sort of building up. So when when people ask that, like you know, how many wins has he got to have? And I, I always tell them, like guys, you'll know, you will know what a competitive Michigan football team looks like because you have seen it before under this coach. So if they're not doing those things that you've seen before, if they're not controlling the line of scrimmage against teams that they should control the line of scrimmage against, if they're not running to the football, right? If they're missing tackles, if they're ridiculous and like all these things, the sloppiness, if that's still there, then this has to be over. And if it's gone, and repaired and they're competitive and hey what if they go like seven and five and lose five games to five awesome teams by a field goal like I mean if they're fighting and scrapping then I think that that gets taken into account but if it's more of the same then no yeah and I I, <laughs> I think that answer is 46 percent number one answer say 10 and two so like that right there is a is a is a glimpse for anyone else who thinks they want this job that's a glimpse into the Michigan job <laughs> they just went two and four folks 46 percent say the expectation minimum expectation is 10 and 2 but i do think i would say that that's probably a uh, longer term thing right i think that's a lot of people just being and, and fair enough just being like sick of it that are just like i'm tired yeah. of getting the rug pulled out if he can't do it then get out of here and move on and i think that's probably what i would read out of out of that answer yeah, is there another I, one in there well that i surprise think you? you know i think the big divide the thing that i you know that kind of the big takeaway that i took from from all the answers is you know, there is, I think, a divide in the Michigan fan base between the fans who feel like, 
you know, next year, 2021, is mm-hmm. basically the beginning of a restart. It's almost like a year right. zero for, you know, Jim Harbaugh 2.0. And they're taking the, you know, they're taking the view that, you know, hey, it's going to, you know, it could take two or three years. Like, we've got J.J. McCarthy on campus who, you know, looks like he'll be the quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. We have Donovan Edwards, you know, one of the most talented running backs that Michigan has had in, in Jim Harbaugh's time. So I think there's a mindset among a, a segment of the fan base that, hey, we're willing to be a little bit patient with this restart. Like, we know yeah. the defense is going to be a work in progress. Uh, you know, we know it may not look great from day one, but we still think Jim Harbaugh ultimately is the right coach for Michigan. And we're willing to give him two or three years here to see if this restart takes hold. Uh, and then there's the other side of that, probably the, you know, the 46% that we were just talking about who's like, no. We're in year seven. There's no restart. There's no year zero. Like, this is what it is. Jim Harbaugh's had six years here to get this program competitive in the Big Ten East, and they're further away from it right now than they've been basically at any other point. And so, Mm -hmm. no, we're not going to say, hey, give him three years and see what he does. It's like, win now. Like, we need to see these changes result immediately in success. And if they don't, then let's just blow it up and start over. Right. Colton, same same question to you. Uh, yours is uh, the Michigan State survey. A lot of it is recruiting uh, base, which makes sense because so, so much of what they're doing right now is, is roster rebuilding. But were there any questions that you were more curious to know sort of the fans read on? or Because you're pretty much, you're pretty good in tune with, with Michigan State Twitter. So like, was there any in there that surprised you or some that you were like, boy, I really don't know how they're going to, how they're going to answer it. Yeah. I mean, one question like me personally that I was looking forward to seeing the results for was, I asked, you know, after the additions we've seen during the past year, do you believe Michigan State's roster is stronger this year yeah. than it was a year ago? I just want to see what people would say. I figured it would be high. Uh, <laughs> 89%. High. 89% <laughs> of people said yes. I, honestly, that might be a little low for me. I'm like, I mean, the guys, obviously, we, we have to see how the guys he brought in actually perform. But on paper, like, He's got transfers from Arizona, Michigan, you know, Duke, like a, a bunch of schools all over the country. Um, at, at the very least, that's depth and competition. Depth, yeah. Like we mentioned, you know, it's like iron sharpening iron. You know, that's going to raise the level of those players because their spots are up for grabs and they know that. So that's going to make them practice harder, perform harder, study harder. Like all that stuff just kind of elevates your roster. Um, but honestly, like the guys that they've added, like Jarrett Horace, the guy from Arkansas State, um, you know, he transferred, uh, entered the, the portal like late December, I think. And um, he had a lot of power five offers. Oklahoma was after him, Texas, you know, some big 12 schools like that. And uh, he came to Michigan State. And, and the thing with him, I, he's a he's a tackle through and through. Yeah, I think they're trying to determine whether he's going to be a left tackle or right tackle. I would guess right tackle. And what that does for Michigan State's offensive line, that kicks a guy like Kevin Jarvis back inside. Mm-hmm. So now you're improving two positions basically with one addition. So things like that, um, you know, a guy like Kenneth Walker, who I kind of did a, a film room on him the other day. I'm just so impressed with this tape. Like he's everything that Michigan state needed. Right. Um, you know, last year, their running backs only broke 7% of tackles, yeah, which get out of there. was the second worst in FBS football. Second worst yep. behind mass, which did not win a game last year. Um, so they needed a guy like Kenneth Walker, who, you know, he's got really strong legs. He breaks a ton of tackles. He's very slippery. He's got some good speed, um, great vision, really. Um, so even if the offensive line is still coming along, he's a guy that sees a hole and attacks it. That's something that Mel Tucker and Chris Kapilovic kind of kind of mentioned with him. So 
I'm looking at some of these additions and I'm like, man, they really, in, in short order, really improved this roster, at least in my eyes. Um, so I saw 89.1% of people agreeing with that. I just, that was a question where you just kind of take the temperature. Yeah. Um, and with Hard this one, really, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with this one, because it was so recruiting focused, I'm going to do a, a more big picture one, probably closer to fall camp, just kind of, you know, see what, see what's on their mind a little closer to football. Um, but with this one, another question, because it was recruiting, um, I asked about Detroit recruiting. Right. And, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, First question I asked was, what's the most important recruiting state for MSU? Michigan won. I think the gap was a little bit tighter than I thought it would be. Um, Michigan had 47.9%. Ohio was second with 29.8%. Georgia, 179 Florida with three, and some other states. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably the top four. I might add Georgia a little higher because that seems to be a point of emphasis for them. And then I asked about Detroit specifically. And I said, how important is Detroit as it pertains to Michigan State's recruiting success? And the number one answer was somewhat important, which is kind of the middle answer. And that had 65.2%. Second question was a follow-up. How confident are you in Michigan State's ability to recruit Detroit? Again, (laughs) somewhat confident. Yeah. 65.4. One might have something to do with the other there, Colton. I think one answer might have, because I would argue that Detroit recruiting is, should be the most important thing for Michigan State's. It should be, it should be number one, right? I mean, I'm, we talked about this actually before uh, we were talking about it when I was talking about it with Mike before you signed on here because I thought that was a super interesting question. And the answer was that only 28% said they thought Detroit recruiting was very important. And it led me to believe like, you know, West Michigan's always been historically has been, you know, good for Michigan State, right? Like Traverse City, yeah. Grand Rapids, um, that area. But it's never been as deep as the East Side. And it's, you know, and you're probably going to find. Like if there's a handful of really good, you know, FBS prospects in Grand Rapids and Traverse City, there's probably like that number of times two in Detroit, usually. Yeah. So, yeah. but also Michigan State hasn't had the opportunity to get in there. And Detroit is, you know, you have to, you have to, <laughs> Detroit's an area that you have to recruit hard. You know this, like you have yeah. to, you have to be there. And you have to show them, like, it can't be bullshit. Like, you can't go in there, and it would be hard, I think, to recruit Detroit over Zoom. So I can understand to a degree where some of that has been, like, it hasn't been maybe what people had hoped it would be right off the bat with Mel. But, like, you do have to be in there, and you have to have relationships because there are so many people um, over the years that, like, still have ties to people, and everyone's connected, everyone knows each other. And, like, if you you don't come in there with a really clear – and like really good message, you're not getting anywhere. And so I do think that the in-person thing on e- on ESA, that's going to be a huge, huge thing for Michigan. I'm super curious to see how that plays out for them when they get out there. It's crazy. Like, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, relate how important relationships are to a specific city, like Detroit is probably up there. Big time. Because you're talking, you know, you look at a guy like Tim Banks who was yeah. at Penn State. He takes a D.C. job at Tennessee. Now all of a sudden kids want to go to Tennessee because of him. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy like Steve Klingscale at Kentucky who Michigan State has gone after a couple times, Mel yep. Tucker at least. Um, he's getting guys every single year, top 10 guys out of Detroit just because they know him. Oh, yeah, that's, that's Coach Klink. Like, Saban still gets them 20 years yeah. later or whatever. Sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and then obviously at Michigan, a guy like Ron Bellamy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a he was such a well-respected coach, high school coach in the area, and now he joins Michigan staff. And, you know, it's going to be tough for Michigan State yeah. to get some of these guys over when there's so much competition. You know, Kentucky – 
Penn State will still have a presence, even though Tim Banks isn't there. Um, Tennessee is making some inroads there. Michigan, you got all these schools. Cincinnati still grabs guys from there. You know, it, it's just a lot of competition. I think that's why maybe Michigan State fans are saying, like, why do we all, why do you even bother? You know, Michigan gets all these guys every year. And, right. I can see know, some of that. Mel, Mel has relationships all over the country from mm-hmm. his days in, at Georgia and Alabama. So, like, let's go into Georgia. Let's get some of these, like, three-star guys that are, would probably be four-star guys in Michigan. Um, from Georgia, like going to Louisiana a little bit. They're hitting IMG Academy super hard right now. They basically offered the entire roster there. Um, <laughs> Good plan. <laughs> I think they're seeing some of that, and they're just like, well, you know, Mel's taking this national approach. So, you know, it's somewhat important. Get the guys. I think the full line I had for that question was somewhat important. Focus on the guys that you can get, and then the rest of the roster. Yeah. So I think if you look at it like that, it makes more sense, but you, you can't just abandon Detroit because no, those no. are the easy to get. They're in your backyard. Um, some of these guys grew up Michigan State fans, so that might have some sort of uh, effect in their mind. And if they like what the new staff is doing and the new staff can offer playing time, you know, like that's that's a benefit. So you have to go after guys you want in state in Detroit. But I think Mel's he's not going to just tie himself to one area. And he's kind of proven that so far. Yeah, and he's got guys on staff that know people in Detroit, and I don't want to have it come – and he does too, so I don't want it to come right. across that like he doesn't. But, like, it's going to be different when they can get down there, you know, in person. I, I, I think that'll be much, much different. Austin, for it's interesting, uh, sort of along the same lines, a lot of the new hires, you, you asked them to grade – the fans to grade the new hires, um, some of them anyway, that were brought in. I saw that um, with Mike McDonald and some of the other guys. And then the one question – and, you know, I think, what was it, McDonald's – McDonald gets a B – um, Mo Linguist gets a B, Mike Hart gets an A, Bellamy gets an A. And then there was the question about, um, if I can find it here, the development, um, player development, or where did I yeah, just lost recruiting it? Player development. And player development. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it was like, what's the most important, there it was, what's the, which area of Michigan's program needs the most improvement? And the, the, the options you put were player retention, development, coaching or scheme, recruiting or other. And, Retention slash development was easily number one. Um, that's not surprising, I don't think. Uh, and you know, I think when you when you see s- some of those hires judged too, I think that that I don't know. I, I'm not surprised by that. Are you surprised by that? That seems to be. I mean, that seems to be the whole thing right now. Yeah, no, I wasn't surprised by it, but it does. It is a shift, uh, even from last year. And when mm-hmm. I did that survey last year, uh, it was the the most popular answer. I did a version of that question, and almost fifty percent said the biggest issue was recruiting. Yeah, and now recruiting has gone down the list. Uh, player development and retention has gone up the list, and I think that's a couple things. You part of it is Michigan just signed a top ten class, and they just made some coaching hires that look really good from a recruiting perspective. You know, it, it looks like one thing that I think we give Jim Arbaugh credit for is he recognized that Michigan needed to take its recruiting up a notch, and he mm-hmm. made some changes in the program. Had a good cycle uh, in twenty twenty one, off to a good start with. 2022. So, you know, I, I think Jim Harbaugh has done some things to assuage some of those concerns about recruiting. I also think fans have kind of woken up to the fact that, hey, it's great to sign these guys. It's great right. to bring in top 10 classes. But if half of them go in the portal after two years, like, what does it really matter? You know, right. I, I think that's the other side of it where, you know, even in this era of college football where every single team deals with transfers, it's part of the game, it's prevalent everywhere, Michigan's attrition has been at another level. You yeah, know, it's been I, high. I, I went back and looked at that 2017 recruiting class. I don't remember the percentage off the top of my head, but it's like a third of that class or more 
they ended up going somewhere else. And a lot of the guys who left were some of the top rated prospects in that class. So, you know, when you're stuck in that cycle, which, you know, we're seeing it again now mm-hmm. with a guy like Giles Jackson, who, you know, you sign these guys, four-star prospects, they come in, you know, they show some flashes early in, in their career. You start to think of this guy like, hey, you know, he could develop yeah. into something really special here. But then before you get to that point, all of a sudden something goes a little bit off track and then he's in the portal. And I think yep. Michigan fans are realizing that that's just not the way you build a team that's going to, you know, going to be a consistent contender in the Big Ten. I would also say I think that sometimes I hear from people and I, my impression of their frustration is that when they see something like like a Giles Jackson goes to like what if Giles and Joe Milton go to Central Florida and play for Gus and like in two years are like lighting it up. Okay, mm-hmm. that's going to piss off a bunch of people because they're like, they should have been doing that here. And Giles Jackson is the type of player from a physical and speed standpoint that you should have had a better plan for when he got here. Frankly, it's been two years. I mean, like, I don't know how much I can blame him. He's from California. I get it. The other part of that, too, is they see people, I think sometimes they see these guys come through the program and some of them have nice careers but they're just okay or they're like whatever they're they're not a, they're not elite and then they see them go to the combine or something and they're like that guy ran a 43 jumped through the roof did this that and the other and he had he did nothing here he didn't do any you know he didn't do enough or whatever that happens i feel like a lot it's not as bad as i think we used to see with like lsu when let's was there like remember that stretch yeah. oh, where yeah, like we, every year you'd see lsu had like nine guys drafted and you're like how are they 7 and 5 every year <laughs> There's some of that that's happening here. I, I do think that you're seeing guys get through the other side. Like Mike and Wayne, you go see NFL, and his, Mike was like the best rookie yeah. tackle in all of football last year. Mm-hmm. Like, And Mike was good at Michigan. But like they see stuff like that, and it's just like, why is that? we? And I think to your point earlier, like you said, the recruiting to beat Ohio State needs to go up. The recruiting to be better than what you are is already there. You're, you have talent. And I think that that's started to show itself to people. And I think that's been a little more exposed, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely a multifaceted thing. I mean, you know, that's a big umbrella when you yeah. talk about player development and player retention. Because, yeah, part of, you know, part of player development is, you know, guys getting better from one year to the next. And, you know, and to your point, like guys seeing, okay, what's the plan for me here? You know, mm-hmm. like, how are you going to turn me into the player that I want to be? And, you know, if a guy feels like he's not progressing the way he thinks he should, then in this era of football, absolutely. Like, that's the right thing right. to do is to, you know, look for a, another opportunity. And it's going to happen. And, you know, schools have to understand that if, you know, if, if you're not able to give players that plan and show them how they're progressing toward what they want to be, then from the player's perspective, they are going to look for yeah. another opportunity um, so part of it is that, and part of it is like you mentioned, the guys who stay, like they actually, you have to actually get the most out of them. Uh, you know, a player like Nico Collins, uh, you know, you look yeah. at his, his pro day numbers and you're like, man, yeah, that Donovan guy too, this two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an elite talent. Who's gonna, you know, I think have a really good NFL career, did some good things for Michigan, you know, could have had a really good senior year if circumstances sure. had been different, but you look at a player like that and say, you know, Michigan didn't get the most out of a guy who stuck around. And that's where it really hurts if you're losing yep. players and you're also not getting the most out of the guys who stay. I want to f- switch a little bit to the current uh, situation and talk, you know, some of the position battles or some of the things that you're most curious to see how it all shakes out. And a lot of this we're not going to know, 
obviously until the fall. But Colton, uh, a lot of it with quarterback right now and offensive line. But like when you go into this, and you're probably going to see more than Austin was able to on the Michigan State side. I would hope anyway, or at least hear from them. Um, they are going to have a, they are going to have an actual spring game. But like, what's what are give me two or three things maybe under the radar, I guess, that are are curiosities for you uh, that you really don't know how they're going to go, I guess, uh, to sort out here as they go through everything. Yeah, you know, I, you, you talk about the quarterbacks. I think my initial impression, I still kind of feel this way, but maybe less so now. Like, my initial impression was, okay, uh, Rocky Lombardi transferred. Yeah. Aiden Thorne did some good things. You know, he, he still looked like a freshman at times. Um, you know, if, if they had not made an addition to bring in another quarterback, they would have had one combined yeah, start among yeah. the four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Mm-hmm. So they went out and got Russo, a guy with 26 career starts. You know, he's – ranks among the top five and all of Temple's um, quarterback categories. And, you know, I, I figured that the job would be his, you know, why else would you go out and get a, a grad transfer, um, you know, an older guy playing a six year college football who also wants to be in the NFL Who knows yep. he'll get there, but he has those aspirations. So, you know, early on, I was like, you know, this, this, to me, this is his job until, and it's his job to lose, you know, Peyton Thorne did some nice things, but I don't, I don't really see it yet. Um, I think it's his job hearing Mel talk a little bit, you know, I, he had a quote the other day on, on Peyton Thorne, which really stood out to me because I noticed last year, he, he really wouldn't take time to like publicly praise Peyton Thorne and said, yeah. he kind of the ways that he could improve because right. he was, you know, that's your freshman. And I think part of it was also kind of protecting Rocky Lombardi and, you know, that 100%. quarterback battle. Again. But, you know, this offseason, I mean, he, he had some really nice things to say about, Peyton Thorne, he, he said he works really hard at his craft. He takes a lot of pride in his performance and details, which are things I've heard about him in the past. Um, comes to work every day. He's really serious about it. He doesn't take anything for granted, and that's what I like about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like He kept going, and I was like, man, I've never seen him like be this effusive with his praise over Peyton Thorne. And so that – if you know, that's all we have, the comments that these coaches right, are yeah, of, of it is just spring talk. But to me, it was like, okay, maybe Peyton Thorne can be a player here you know I th- he's bulked up a little bit I think he's at 215 now which is good because he probably yeah, came here at like 185 that's a lot <laughs> for being honest so he's he's getting a little bit bigger he's got that experience under his belt now whereas last year looking at the quarterback battle I was like it's gonna be rocky because he's the only guy that's played um I don't think they felt good I think they liked Thorne last year I don't think they felt good about his lack of experience now he has some three 325 and three touchdowns against Penn State like that's a solid performance that you can kind of build on um and mel's been talking to him all offseason like ways that he can improve let's bulk you up so we can run you a little bit more yeah, you know yeah. step up in the pocket more like you know do do some 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 things like that um so to me i think i don't know if this is gearing up to be a full-on quarterback competition i still think russo probably has the edge just based on his background i think i think thorn can make some noise and i, I don't think if thorn is a better guy in fall camp yeah, we'll I don't think they're going to start Russo. They're going to yeah. start Thorne because then you kind of alienate the rest of the roster. Everyone knows that way. one guy is significantly better. The portal, so. the portal cuts two ways, I think, right? Because you bring these guys in, and it's you know, it's as much like if you're if you're a recruit, you sign with a team, and you know that they're going to continue to recruit your position, and next year a guy at your spot's going to come in behind you, and he's going to fight with you, and but you're going to be a year older, and you'd think, okay, I'm going to be in better position. When, when they see a transfer come in, a lot of times I feel like it's this, like, it gets taken more of a, why are, why are they bringing in somebody at our position? Like, do they not think it's good enough? 
uh, hey, no, they don't think it's good enough. That's why they're doing it. <laughs> yeah. So it cuts both ways. And I think that when you present it that way, you know, it should help the guys that are still on your team. Like Peyton Thorne should take bringing in Anthony Russo as like, I have to get way better, like way faster. Like that's how that should be viewed because that's just real world. And I, I mean, we have seen in uh, many examples in recent years of, you know, quarterbacks come in, everybody thinks that's going to be the guy. And then it's a kid on the roster that's already there that wins the job. I mean, it happens quite a bit and it, and it ends up being okay. It ends up being fine. You know, like yeah. the, the, the guy underneath got the push that he needed from the guy coming in and like it works out. And sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes we see the desperate, like we have no one on this roster, so we have to bring in whoever. And I think at Michigan State right now, there's probably a little bit of some of that. And there's probably a little bit of the other side too. I think it's probably about 50, 50 with like the balance of like, we're bringing guys in here because we need them to start. And we're bringing guys in here because we need them to, we need them to kick somebody in the ass because like some of these guys yeah. need to get working harder. I think that's a big part of it, but. Yeah. Austin, same thing to you on your side there, uh, from the Michigan side. Like, quarterback, obviously something we're mm-hmm. not gonna like. Bowman's not here until the fall, I don't think, right? Here in the summer, I guess. Yes. Yeah, um. So you're not gonna know on a lot of that stuff, but I mean, like, out of curiosity's sake, I mean, we've seen some. We saw William Mohan go in the portal the other day. Uh, the Viper thing comes up a lot. What are you gonna do with all those guys? What are some of the curiosities, I guess, that are gonna go unanswered on the Michigan end yeah. until we see him in the fall? You know, I think you start with the quarterbacks. You know, kind of a similar thing with Michigan because you know, I, after Joe Milton left, I think you and I talked about like you know what does Michigan try to go get a guy like yep. you know just somebody else you know transfer uh, to give you some depth on the roster, and then they end up getting uh, Bowman to commit, and it's like well you know that's a guy who's thrown for five thousand yards in college yep. football, which nobody on Michigan's yeah, roster has done. Five thousand so, more than these guys. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, you know, it's not he's not just a guy you automatically say, oh, he's just here, you know, for depth. Um, but he's also not a guy you automatically say, oh well, he's clearly your best guy. It's I, mm-hmm. I think it's a situation where, you know, he's an insurance policy. Uh he's an option. But probably, uh, you know, if, if you asked uh, Michigan's coaches, you know, probably the preference is you'd like a guy who's been in your program to be ready to take over the job, whether that's Cade McNamara, uh, you know, or or JJ McCarthy, I haven't really gotten much detail on on the quarterback situation in in spring. Yeah. You can tell that Josh Gaddis is really like you know handle with care here because right. yeah. you've got McCarthy. Uh, you know he's the guy you just can't afford to mess it up with McCarthy. Oh right? yeah, all the way. You know you can't afford to throw him out there before he's ready and have something go wrong. You also can't afford to like have him. Thinking that he's buried yes. uh, and thinking that, oh, I got to go somewhere else because I'm not going to play here. So somehow that's what they, you know, they have to figure that out where, you know, first of all, you've got to play your best guy. Like Colton said, like you can't alienate your team by, you know, playing a guy who's clearly not the best. Uh, but you also have to kind of manage expectations for now all three of those guys uh, so that, you know, nobody's feeling like, hey, I got sold a bill of goods here that's not coming true. Yeah. So you know, I think the quarterback thing is really interesting. I expect it to go, you know, through the summer, through through preseason camp. Um, right now, I I don't get the sense that you know either McCarthy or McNamara has really like you know seized it. Although you would think McNamara, just having been around and mm-hmm. ha- having played some in games, um, would probably come out of the spring with a little bit of an edge. Yeah, for a year like this, like, and again, I'll say this, like, I never support them just hiding like this. I think it's stupid when they do that. But like, for a, for a year like this, when they have McCarthy come in here, and if he's going to be in here in the spring, and like, honestly, if they had a spring game and he went out there and threw like two 
good deep shots out of 10 throws, <laughs> he would be anointed by the fan base as, uh-huh. and he would have these expectations put on him that are not fair and everything else. And you know what? In that sense, I guess I could see some of that, but that's good. Yeah. That's going to be the fascination throughout the whole summer is like, what's he going to look like? Are we going to see him? Is he going to, is he going to play or is it going to be McNamara? And then of course, I mean, the whole thing starts like if it's McNamara, and he has like one game where it's like not perfect. It just turns into like, well, get him the hell out of here, get the other. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, that's obviously the number one thing. And then, and the rest of it would be uh, Viper wise. There was one more on the Michigan side, Austin. I want to talk to you about uh, yeah. the the question that was split three ways, more or less. Uh, and fans really didn't seem to know how to answer this one, which I thought I thought was good. Yeah. Uh, and for Michigan State, this would be an easy one, I think, because fans know where Mel's coming from. But how important is it to you that Harbaugh makes an effort to connect with fans and shares his plan? Remember, he talked about we have a plan uh, for getting the program back on track. The leading answer, not important at all, just win, was 36%. Very important, comes in number two at 33% and somewhat important at 30 So I think the majority of fans think that he needs to be connecting better uh, with them uh and he's not and some i guess say they don't care but uh, i don't know this is something we've talked about over the years and it used to be when he first got here no one cared it was leave him alone let him do whatever he wants and he did when he did the submarine the first time they were celebrating it we had fans that were making fun of us the beat writers on twitter you guys aren't going to get any access uh you know whatever (laughs) yeah and whatever it was you know at the time it was funny and maybe not so funny but whatever but like now no (laughs) it's the opposite and i used to say to these people like Call me if he doesn't if he doesn't win a national title in the first four years and tell me how you think if you still think all this is cute and funny that he doesn't talk to anybody he doesn't he doesn't have any kind of connection with people and you know they've had camps that have been they had outreach things and previously that he got rid of which is fine it's his right to do but I just think I, it's an interesting thing that comes up every year and I mean I don't know were you were you as curious as I when you saw I saw that question I was like I immediately just went right to it because I was yeah, like I, I th- got to see it yeah I think uh, you know. For those of us who like do this for a living, uh, you know, it's easy to kind of get in, you know, in your bubble and, uh, you know, assume that things that matter to me as somebody who covers the team yeah, also right. will matter to the fans. <laughs> and a lot does, of times yeah. you find out it doesn't. Like, it's totally fine. Yeah, right. do not care, especially if, as you said, if, if yeah. Michigan was winning championships, nobody would way. care. Yep. Uh, I but I do, I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that, hey, if you're not going to win championships... Uh, if if the idea is you know hey we just want to you know we want to get our fan base to a point where they're okay with uh, you know winning eight or nine or ten games, I think part of that is it's a lot easier to do that when your fan base feels like they have a connection to the program and yeah. you know if if Michigan is on the you know three to four year rebuild plan now, which you know, they're not going to come out and say that because <laughs> you get killed for saying it. Right. But if that is, you know, deep down what they're thinking is, Hey, we'd like to, you know, get our fan base on board with the idea that, you know, now we're kind of tearing it down and building it back up again. It's hard to do that. Uh, when, when your fan base feels like they're just kind of, you know, on the other side of the wall. Yeah. And, you know, as, as the responses show, there's some people who just don't care about that. Some right. people, all that matters to them is what happens on the field and yep. on the scoreboard. And I totally respect that. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a group on kind of the other side who's like, you know, yeah, we care about, you know, wins and losses, but we also care about, uh, you know, feeling like uh, our coach, um, you know, values us, uh, you know, feeling like we're part of, 
you know, sort of the fabric here. It's mm-hmm. not just the football program is this own, you know, its own autonomous thing that operates behind the scenes. And then 12 times a year, they go out on the field and they play games. Like, you know, there's some fans who care about that. And I think the percentage of fans who do care about it gets bigger it does. as, uh, you know, as the team uh, struggles a little bit. You know, they value that more when they're being asked for patience. And right now they're not, they're not getting a lot of that. I look at it with college football, and I've, you know, the last couple of years I've done so much more NFL, so I've gotten, you know, you get the, you put both both together, and obviously everyone knows the difference, right? It's more personal in college, but I always look at it in college like a fan oftentimes, not the majority, like you said, Austin, but a fan oftentimes will look at the coach and say, if I'm going to give you my Saturday, if I'm going to give you, like, part of my happiness, if I'm going to give you part of my, like, heart here, mm-hmm. I want to be able to trust that I'm not going to just, it's just going to be an empty, you're going to just screw me every time. And I think that that is the big thing, right? Like when we talk about Mel Tucker, Colton and I talked about this all last year when he was on Twitter, like every day with all those things on his deck, you know, with his dogs and everything. And like, people loved it. Like that stuff, like how hard is that? That's not hard. And like, yeah, I mean, like it curbs a little bit of the sting sometimes when he's going to have to do something that disappoints the fan base, but maybe they'll be like, well, you know what? I like Mills. He's a nice guy. I don't know. But like when I see it on the Michigan end and it's like, no, I mean, like how could you trust this? You never see anything. You never hear anything. When you do hear something, it's often, it's often either not true or like half true or some sort of like thing where you have to do mental gymnastics for it to make sense. And so, yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it on both sides of it. It's, it's fascinating with the Michigan end of it. And, I don't think it'll ever change with Harbaugh. And I, I don't know sometimes, you know, it's just like, I've gone over that in my head over the years. Like how much should he, how much should he have to worry about that? I, he makes a ton of money. So, I mean, I guess you could say that he probably should make that more of a priority, but I, I don't know. It's always a fascinating thing because it's just been there the whole time. Like, you know, there yeah. is no connection. There is Yeah. No. You know, to your point about the difference between college football and the NFL, you know, in the NFL, the face of your program or the you know, face of your franchise yeah. is your best players. It's your yes. quarterback. It's you know, it's your star players, and, and fans, it's your record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fans relate to the NFL team yeah. through its players. In college football, the face of your program is your coach. Like the players come and go, and yeah, fans get attached to great players. But even the best players are only there for three or four or five years, uh, and so really. In college football, part of being the head coach is being the face of the program. Uh, and, you know, at this point in his career, Jim Harbaugh doesn't seem to have a lot of appetite for that. He just wants yeah, to right. coach ball. <laughs> and that's fine if, if you're winning. But there's going to be a point where you have to say, yeah. like, you know, are we are we happy with the overall experience of being a fan of this program? And unfortunately, there's a lot of Michigan fans, as the you know survey results attest, who will say, we're just not real happy yeah. with the experience of being a Michigan football fan right there now, whatever is. that means. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michigan State will go until, what, Colton, the 24th? Is that the spring game? Is that going to be open to fans? Do uh, they know? They haven't really said. I mean, I guess in theory they could with some of the new regulations, uh-huh. but um, they haven't said one way or another yet. But I, I would expect that to be open, I think. Yeah, so that'll be – well, they'll play it either way. I would assume people will get to see it uh, even yeah. if they can't go in person. So I'm just going to say it's got a couple weeks left. Also, I think Michigan has no actual end. They left it open-ended in case they had to pause, right? So I guess they're yeah. still getting close to wrapping up. I think this may be the last week. They may have one more. Uh, but it's all – yeah, it's all very nebulous. But we're getting close to the end, I think. 
getting close to the end and hopefully getting closer to by the time we talk more about this in the fall, things feeling a little more normal. This certainly feels, guys, a, lot, a hell of a lot better than it did on April 8th, 2020, I gotta <laughs> say. That was some bullshit back then, if we can remember back then. <laughs> either way, we're here now on the other side of it. Hopefully people are uh, getting those vaccines, getting those in order and everything else, and uh, getting closer to maybe being back in the stands. As much as I complain sometimes about these beloved college football fans of ours, I uh, can't wait to be in a stadium with all of them again. I think that'll be great. Whenever we can do that, I don't know when that'll be, but... Looking forward to that. Well, guys, I appreciate it this week, and um, I'm sure we'll be back on maybe in the summer uh, or later in the spring or something to talk more football. Uh, in the meantime, be sure to check out all of Colton and Austin's work on The Athletic, of course, the Wolverine Spartans page. Colton will have more spring ball. Austin will, too, of course. And Brendan will have golf coverage the rest of the week, and then I'm sure he'll have some hoops fall out as well. Uh, but in the meantime, for Colton and Austin, I am Nick. Tip those bartenders and servers, and we'll talk to you later. Up to the county, the place where I